Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back to another episode of Island Spot Sports. And before we get to our guest today, we have a big shout out for, for Living Sisu. Living Sisu is a platform and app that wants to give you all the tools to have success in your sport. Their main objective is to activate your lifestyle. So for active, it's for active people. Enjoy discounts at, at companies like BioSteel, 30% off, BodyLogics, the Goalie Guild, all his books are discounted. Roan, Lululemon for men, 20% off. Online stretching programs with Eccentrics, one full month free. They got super silent massage guns, 20% off those. And it's a great quality. It's way less expensive than a Theragun. And it's a great, it's great quality. So there's so many more discounts that you guys will need to just become a member to see. So they want to provide you with anything you need for success. So come join the community. I'm a part of it. A bunch of other athletes are a part of it. So it's free to join. It takes 20 seconds to have it, to get exclusive offers to your sport. And it's definitely worth worth it. So do do us a huge favor and go sign up for Living Sisu's membership. It's free, 20 takes 20 seconds. So go do it and we'll see you there. Living Sisu is a great company. We uh we know one of the co-founders, Zach Fricali. He's a great guy. He uh He's the co-founder and he does a lot of live streams on Instagram at, uh, at Living Sisu and with a bunch of elite athletes. And you learn a lot from like the athlete's determination, the resiliency, everything to what me, made them become successful. So it's been a great experience so far. So go on. I'm going to leave uh, the link in the description. So uh, go sign up. Yo, welcome back to another episode of On The Spot Sports. I'm Jack, and I'm alongside my co-host, Tyler. And in today's episode, we are joined by a very special guest, current professional hockey player, Brett Boeing. Brett is currently signed to a deal with the Toledo Walleye of the ECHL. Brett played three seasons, seasons in the USHL, as well as, as well as NCAA Division I hockey at Michigan Tech for one season before playing with UMass Amherst. Welcome to the show, Brett Boeing. Brett, how are you? Good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Good to have you on. I know we tried to get this on last week, but it didn't work out because uh, one of one because Tyler had to miss. So it's all good. So it's good to get you on this week and like get this thing full on rolling. So yeah, I'm glad to have him on it too. Yeah, for sure. So uh, can you give our viewers a little background information on yourself? Like when you started playing hockey, when did you realize that you had a chance to become a professional hockey player? And like the teams you played on from like the past until like now. Yeah, so I uh, I grew up in Chicago. Um, I was born in Barrington, and then uh, so I started playing hockey. Actually, nobody in my family. It's a really really weird story. Nobody in my in my family's athletic at all. So it was kind of a kind of weird thing. I was actually at, at the rink one day, or we were just it was like a little learn to skate thing, and then I saw hockey, and I kind of kind of fell in love with it. And Started when I was three, and then uh, I, I stuck around Barrington for a while, just playing double-A hockey and whatnot. Um, and then my first step was Mites, I guess. I went to the Chicago Blues in Bensonville. Um, started playing double-A ho- hockey there before triple-A was a thing. Um, and then after that, uh, I started to kind of realize that I kind of had an edge on on everybody else. And, and some me and my buddy, I don't know if you know him, Grant Stube was another another uh, well-known name at the time. He's, he's also my birth year and he, me and him were, were close. So we left the blues. Actually, we went down to Chicago chill and followed uh, a really well-known coach in Chicago, uh, Todd Finner and Todd Finner. Um, 
everybody in the uh, in Chicago loved him. He's a great skating coach. He's really good with the kids. Like really knew what he's talking about. So we followed him down to Chicago Chill when that used to be a thing, which is now the Fury. Um, so I stayed down there with him, um, and then played there for I want to say three years. My last coach, Matt Noga, uh, was uh, that's when I Fury. So I played for Fury for one year. And that was my eighth grade year. And then I took off. I, I got recruited to go to Shag St. Mary's boarding school. Um, so I ended up going to there and went there for four years. I loved every second of it. I, it, I highly, like, if anybody wants to think about going to prep school, I, I highly, uh, highly suggest going to prep school, just the camaraderie and living with your best buddies and playing hockey with your best buddies is, is nothing you can get by. And then uh, after that, I was drafted in the USHL uh, in the eighth around or some some around there um and i went there right after i graduated uh from shattuck played there for two years uh, i actually committed to go to michigan tech uh, university like you said uh, i committed there to go in my sophomore year of, of uh high school when i was at shattuck and i didn't go end up going in there till two years out of out of college so it's kind of a weird process and so i ended up going to michigan tech after my two years in dubuque um love dubuque i I was always, that was always a, a city and, and team that all the kids wanted to go to growing up. Um, and then, uh, so I ended up in Michigan Tech for a semester, but it's kind of a, kind of a hit or miss. So the coach, the coach recruited me left and it was kind of a, they were really good. I, I, I love the team there. I loved everything about it, but it wasn't really what I wanted at the time. And when I was 14, I didn't really know what I wanted and kind of ended up getting forced into going there. So I went there for a semester um, and then took off after a semester, went back to the USHL, to Dubuque. Um, I was really had a really good relationship with the coaching staff there. So I kind of had a deal where I, I ended out my, it was my 21 year old year. So it was my age out year, ended up there, uh, had a good run in the playoffs, lost in the, uh, lost in the, in the finals actually. And then but that first semester after that, I was assistant coach or I, I coached with Dubuque and was getting ready for my first semester at UMass. So I took the first semester off, transferred in the second semester at UMass and then played there for two and a half years. And, um, it went from a five-win season to a national championship season in, in two years. It was, it was actually wild, wild how it came to be. And then uh, I was fortunate enough to sign a, my first pro contract with Detroit's organization and and started here in Toledo and signed Toledo uh, right before I graduated. And then had a had a great year until I guess COVID hit this year. And now we're uh, kind of waiting. Yeah, that's awesome. Like the path you took, and like like you said, you're with uh, Shattuck St. Mary's. Uh, for four years like so like when you played in both AAA and double so like how important was it for you and your development playing with uh, Shattuck St. Mary's for so long like how much did that organization mean to you because it really like helped jumpstart your career I think the big thing you see actually uh, between like a, a prep school and AAA and double um, you look at teams like a Fury, Team Illinois, Mission, like all, all the Chicago teams you're only practicing three days a week like you're only around your buddies so often so once I went to Shattuck, I was able. I you practice every single day. You work. You have a strict workout schedule. You're you're with you're on your buddies all the time. I mean, going going there was kind of a, a blessing in disguise. I, I was. I mean, I was 14 years old. Didn't want to leave home, of course, but uh, I knew it'd be the best uh, best path for me to take. So, I mean, like I said, it it was one of the best things I ever did. I between skating every single day of the week, um, playing a, a rigorous schedule, being kind of being basically your life revolves around your hockey and, and your schedule between your, your class, you go to class from 
uh, eight in the morning until one in the afternoon and you go practice and then you come back to class. So it's like, everything was revolved around that, which was, was really cool. And like I said, the, the biggest thing is you, you get more ice time. You, you can, you can work on your developmental skills. There's, we had three ranks there. So there was even time where there's, there was an open rank. You just go skate whenever you want. So they, there's just so much more access to developmental skills and the coaching staff and whatnot, uh, at prep school at Shattuck compared to like what I would have been at AAA in, in Chicago. Yeah. So like, was it hard to get used to at first or like, what was that transition period? Like going into Shattuck St. Mary's and just like having like this hard this like full on workout schedule of skates, like classes, like how do you like, how, how did you handle that as a, as a beginner compared to the, how you ended up? It was honestly when you, when, obviously when, you know, when you're 14, it's, you don't really know what to do in life. It's, you're, you're, you're basically told like you have, you have, you got to go to school and you, you got to do your homework and then you got to play hockey and then you go to bed. It's, it's, I mean, so the, the sense of moving away from my family, I had to, I had to take care of my schooling, take care of, of myself, make sure I get to dining hall, make sure, I mean, they didn't, it's not like a, they had you on a strict program there by any means, but I mean, they take care of you, but it, it was, a, it was really hard. I, I moved into a, a, a dorm room with, um, with a kid that I actually, became close with who didn't play hockey, but I mean, um, and he was just a regular student there. So it's, it, it was definitely weird to leave your parents. My, I mean, I was fortunate enough where my parents were able to come every single weekend, not every weekend, but a, a handful of times. So I, I was homesick to start, but I think, I think transition uh, in a sense was, um, I mean, the thing that helped me the most was you're living with your best friends. Like, I mean, you, 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 in the hockey world, it's, it's such a tight knit group and always being around it you don't really think about like being away from your home friends or whatnot. So I think it definitely was a hard transition for the first month or two, but then after I, I had really good relationships with my, my friends there, like I still talk to all those kids, like my best buddy from there, like I'm still real close with now and, and talk to them every day. What was the hardest part about when you first transitioned to prep school? Like what was, what was the, like one of the, one of the big things that you, you know, struggled to get used to at first? I think the biggest thing that I struggled to get used to was time management. I mean, like I, like I said, the, you, you get put into a scene where your, your mom and dad aren't be like, Hey, you got to get to school. Like, Hey, I'm taking a practice. Like you're on your own. Like if, if, if you miss a class, like that's on you and you kind of have to take care of yourself and you gotta, you gotta set aside uh, for homework. I mean, you, my schedule basically would be you start at eight in the morning and then like I said you go till one o'clock you go to skate and you come back to class and then um you have about a four-hour time period there where you got to get dinner you got to start doing homework but then you got study hall they have at night so I, I think the biggest thing was was time management for sure and making sure I was taking care of myself I mean that's one thing and then the hockey you, you go from you go from Chicago like you, you like I said triple a hockey you have about five standouts that you could tell we're, we're going to advance to the, the highest levels, but then you got guys that probably were not going to play after high school. So once you, once you got there, like every single person there was, was at my caliber at my level. So it's kind of like, I mean, when I got there, Nathan McKinnon was my, my line mate. So I got there and I didn't know who he was a kid from Canada and never even heard of him. And I was like, man, like I had no idea who he was. So it, it really was weird to see, like to think back now, like, I had for my first year, first team there at eight NHL draft picks and I'm trying to think Ian McCaution is it was a Blackhawk um, played with him. He was on my first year team. Nate McKinnon was on that team. Um, and then there's plenty of other draft picks that, that were on that team. It's just, I didn't really 
know like I, that I was going to get pushed that hard going in. So no, that was one thing. Yeah, that that camaraderie, camaraderie, crap, I can't say it. <laughs> that that just seemed like it was unreal, and like just like being in the locker room, like being like living with your teammates, and like you're everyone at Shattuck St. Mary's is just like a family like culture, and like you get super close to them. And same thing with college, like right now, like I'm living with teammates, and like the time management is definitely one of the hardest things to do because like you have a lot of distractions that you could get involved in, but you just got to make sure that you're, you're focused on like what you want to achieve and school school is super important. It's that's number one and then your sport as well. So it's definitely, definitely a good, uh, good thing to be a part of, and but you just got to stay on top of everything. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's those, Everybody, when you when you go to prep school like like Shattuck, everybody has that kind of laser focus in on. I want to get to the next level. I want to be the best player I can. So it's kind of there wasn't no stragglers in a sense where hey, this kid is is kind of slacking off or whatnot. Everybody had that vision of, of getting to the next level. Yeah. So what was it like being Nathan McKinnon's line mate? Because like he <laughs> he obviously is in the show right now. It's so like how did you know he was going to the show right when you when he got there? No, I, I literally had no idea who he was. I mean, I, I had no idea. I couldn't tell you. And the only reason that about halfway through Christmas break, so these are good Nathan McKenna story. So Christmas break, um, we had a road trip. We were playing in Chicago. Uh, so I was going to, for Christmas break, I was just going to, uh, the bus is going back to Minnesota and there were people were flying out, but I told him he could fly out of, out of Chicago. So funny enough, this was when the Olympics were going on. So um, this is the, the famous Sidney Crosby goal. So he, he came to my house. Actually, he, he was supposed to fly out, but Halifax had uh, bad weather, so he couldn't fly out. So he came back to my house, and this was the day. So I don't know if you've ever seen it in a magazine, but ESPN used to do they, – they said instead of Sid the Kid, I had ESPN had him on, his, on, his, on a, a big thing of him, front page, saying uh, Nate the Kid. And this was when he was 14 years old. And I'm like, man, like just, just to think that, like, wow. But then – so Olympics going on. And the famous Sidney Crosby goal where he threw his glove in the stands, wherever they won the gold, um, he was in my basement. And when he scored that goal, he, I mean, he's close to Sidney Crosby. Like, he trains with Sidney Crosby all the time still. Like, that was his idol growing up. Like, it, it, him and Sidney Crosby, like, he worshipped that guy and kind of praised everything off him because he's such a hard worker. But when he scored that goal, I kid you not, McKinnon was going wild throughout the house. It was, it was unbelievable, to, I mean, to see that and to think nowadays, like, what he's become and, and honestly he's become a better player in a sense and I mean this year obviously Crosby's getting a little older now but McKinnon is just he's such a show like oh man he he literally defies just MVP status every single year he's he's always putting in the extra work like he is an absolute specimen yeah that, that's that's a funny story and like I can just imagine imagine just him going wild when Crosby scored that, that goal because like that I remember that goal and that goal was it was crazy. Impress, eh? <laughs> it, yeah, for sure. It was, it was awesome. So just to hear that, like, it's like how much of a, how much he looked up to Crosby and how much like it pushed him to be further, oh, yeah. get, go, to get further in his career. Yeah. Yeah. So then you began your junior career playing the USHL for the Dubuque Fighting Saints. So like, what was the process like to join a junior team? Like, did you go to like open tryouts? Were you invited to their camp or like, what was so, going on there? 
out of my senior year at Shattuck, I was actually I got drafted to Dubuque. They have uh, what they have a so USA has a futures draft, which is one year, uh, and it's just future. So you're you're looking at a kid one to two years out that they just I mean kind of protect for a little bit, and then I got drafted in the the, disper- the regular draft, which is, is guys that are looking for the next year or or year or two, um, and I got I got taken by Dubuque. I knew the coach there um, actually. Previously, he was just with Dallas at being here. Uh, Jim Montgomery was the coach, um, and I got picked there. And I really didn't know what to expect going in. I knew I knew I was a good enough player to be in the league, but I mean, you got to think you go from when you go from high school to juniors. You got guys go, you're going from 18 year old all you got 21 year olds. So you got you're going against bigger, stronger, faster guys. So you you kind of kind of um, up your game. And um, so once I got there, I didn't know what to expect. And I was kind of, we actually, we got invited to um, the World Junior A Challenge or yeah, the World Junior A Challenge, which was like the teams that won the previous year in all the leagues. So we played in Omsk, Russia, my first, first couple games. And it was cool. We got, we got to tour around Moscow and everything. And then we played the the tournament and um, it was kind of like a tryout basically as a training camp. And they, I think we had like 32 guys and I, I played really well the final game. I, had kind of funny story three I had three assists in the first uh first period and then I got kicked out I need someone so I got kicked out but we ended up winning the bronze and uh kind of secured my spot in the team and then uh I had a social year my first year there but like you said once you go to juniors it's you got to kind of build your resume again like you got to build your reputation I mean there's guys like McKinnon or some of these guys that step right in but I mean that's once in a blue moon, you have those top couple guys. Um, so I kind of had to uh, find my spot and I never, ever got scratched the game before until then where, I mean, the young guy gets the odd game out here and there because you got more guys in your roster. So that was a big adjustment period for sure. Um, my first year, I, it was kind of a learning experience. And then my second year in the USHL, that's when I, I was one of the league leaders and kind of took off and, um, had my best year of hockey, honestly. And that's kind of where I got my reputation at the time. And then once I got to college, I kind of went down my first college and then I ended on a good note at UMass. Yeah. So what was like the biggest thing you learned, like all throughout junior hockey and like, like what was like the biggest thing you learned and one of the hardest things that you had to learn to be successful? Uh, The biggest thing I learned probably was just adjusting to your specific role. Um, I think growing up, you have, everybody wants to be that goal scorer. Everybody wants to be that, that go-to person. But when you get to juniors, you got to say your first liner, that, that's your job. If you're a third liner, you're looking at, you gotta, you gotta find how you're, how you are going to do to put yourself in the lineup. Um, I mean, if you're, if, if you're going to be a goal scorer, you gotta be better than those first line goal scorers. So you got to adjust your game basically to what is going to keep you in the lineup and what's going to kind of push you. So, I mean, over my career, I've, I've went from a, a goal scorer and, and a really offensive guy kind of changing it. And now I've become more of a defensive two-way guy that has, I mean, has the goal scoring ability, but I've really focused more on my defensive side and use that to kind of push myself and, and get to the higher levels. Yeah, for sure. You just, just that adjustment, I would think it would be really hard, especially coming from just like the, the go-to guy and like, like you said, and just having to like adjust your role of what you are going to be as a jun- as a player in juniors, it must be like super difficult to to like realize like that you have to like fit that 
like yeah for sure fit that player and like how like wh- what was that like like what did you have to do to help solidify yourself as that player I think like I said my, my first year was a learning curve in Dubuque um kind of you got to put your your hours in you got to put your games in you got to get that experience um and that's kind of what I took as a learning curve I the first year I put in the extra work. I and mean, once you go to juniors, I, I wasn't going to school anymore too. So, I mean, some people are in high school, but I wasn't in school. So I had so much extra time to work on my game. And I mean, I'd go to the rink and ha- I'd have practice and then I'd have an extra hour and a half after or whatever. So I, I kind of worked on my game and that, that second, the first summer I had, I really buckled down. I'm like, I'm this is my second year to be, I'm, I'm going to be one of their go-to players. Cause I knew, I knew that the goals, the leaders were, were getting taken or going to college. So I was like, I'll, I'll step in next year. So I stepped in right away. And that's kind of, I ran with that, and um, I think it, there's an adjustment period. Like even here in Toledo, my first year, it it, it took me a little adjusting too, and then um, kind of got my feet under me. And it's just it's all getting getting comfortable with your surroundings. Like ECHL plays a different playing style than than college. Like college is just a running gun. Like everybody's just want to kill each other. It's it, it's really hard nosed and um, physical compared to pro hockey or juniors. I I would compare junior hockey to pro hockey. Uh, then college hockey is just kind of a different thing. What would you say is something or some things that were specific that you said you wanted, you were going to the rink for extra time to work on your game. Can you name specific stuff uh, in your game that you were working on to try and be one of those go-to guys in Dubuque? Yeah. So, I mean, when I, I mean, we'd go to the rink, like, so I'd go to the rink nine o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Probably 10 o'clock in the morning. Um, actually nine o'clock in the morning. So some of the high schoolers, they were in school till 12. So we couldn't practice till 1230 in the first place. So what would happen was the guys that weren't in school would report to the rink in the morning around nine, nine 30. Um, we'd get a workout in, we'd, uh, there'd be rollout, we'd do yoga. There, there was all these different things you do. Um, but I think the little things that kind of separated what I would do, um, so we, we'd have practice and then we'd have extra time with the practice at 12 practice get done at one o'clock. And then, uh, uh, it's either once I was a center, I was working on face-offs a ton or working on my shot. Or, uh, I think that's one thing you don't see in uh, like triple-A hockey in, in high school hockey. It's a, you got that, you got that window you practice in and then the Zamboni comes out. Once you're in, once you're in juniors, once you're in college, like you don't, it's your ice. Like that team owns that ice. So you can stay out there as long as you want. So you'll go to, you'll go to some of these practices. Like you'll see pros or, I mean, even here, like, practice will be done and we'll be sitting on the ice for a half hour, just messing around, working on our skills for, for whatever skill it is. I mean, shooting or just playing games with the goalies, but even the little mini games will play three puck. And I mean, it helps the goalies, it helps the players. There's always that little, little skills you're working on just to kind of uh, keep you ready. Or like I, before my, my second year in, in Dubuque, I really worked on my shot and that's, that's when my scoring took, uh, took off. But um, it, that's kind of the major thing that kind of pushed me that first year other than just kind of putting in a little extra work and, and skating and whatnot after practice. Yeah. You just got to get, get noticed more and just by like doing all that, all the, all the other stuff that like you do after practice before, before practice, like it definitely gets you like coaches attention, like that you yeah. really want to be there and definitely want to keep improving there. And three puck isn't a, isn't a bad game to get better at. And it's, it's super That's fun. Great. And oh yeah. So. It, it gives a challenge. It gets guys a uh, competitive game too. Yeah, I always play three puck at the end of skates. Uh, like, I know that for sure. And it's definitely brings that competitive edge out of you. you know, 
even if you're super dead and like you don't think you have any more like those games definitely bring something oh, yeah. more out of you oh yeah for sure i mean i thought one other thing i, I I'll, I'll add there is i think one of the biggest thing is confidence if if you're going to the rank and you don't you don't have faith in your game and stuff i think you you look at a guy that will have a good year and, and just because he, he started off so he'll have a good first 10 games and then he'll just keep that going all year or a guy you look that struggles with first 10 games it's hard for them to get to that that peak that he wants to be at and I mean I, I've talked about it we I had a mental coach that kind of helped me out through through high school actually and confidence I think just pause staying positive staying positive staying positive even if something's going not going your way I think that is one of the biggest things and, and once you get a rhythm going just to to ride that wave and, and, and ride the positivity yeah it's funny you bring that up because a friend and a friend and I that I skate with every week, like th- three, four times a week, we were just talking about confidence and like how much, how confidence has definitely made us a better player. Oh yeah. Ever since quarantine, like we've been like getting in the gym, which also boosts the confidence as well. Just oh, yeah. skating th- three, four times a week, getting the ice time in and like, just like knowing that you're making the plays you want, you should be pl- making and maybe should plays you shouldn't be making. So yeah. confidence is huge. And like you de- it you definitely have to sometimes hype yourself up to bring that confidence out, but it, oh, I agree. it's all worth it at the end. You one, of, one, of my, one of my biggest things, it, it was one of the weirdest. I was, I was in a real bad slump at UMass. Like it was just eat, like off the ice, on the ice, things just weren't going right. And he, he, I got a, our team, our team doctor, he pulled me. He's like, listen, I know you have like on YouTube, I can, I'm sure you can search yourself and you'll see your goals from Dubuque or your goals from earlier. After he goes, look, when you were doing like, well, watch video on yourself when, when you're succeeding and that'll kind of boost your confidence and, and push you, uh, push you through that negativity. Yeah. hundred percent. It works 10 out of 10 times, which is, which is great. And it definitely does help your, your performance on the ice as well. Yeah. So at, when you were in Dubuque, uh, you were also an assistant captain for the team, and you got forty-eight points in sixty-eight in sixty games with a plus sixteen. So, like, what made you and your team so successful during your second year? Um, I think that Dubuque team, my first and second year there, our best players didn't leave. Like another Chicago native, Seamus Malone, who went to Wisconsin, and then he's playing pro in the A right now. And then Dylan Gambrell, who was another guy, he plays for the Sharks, uh, for, uh, San Jose Sharks right now. And the coach, actually, his name is Matt Shaw, um, assistant, long-time assistant coach in the NHL. He came down. He had a really good game plan. And I think uh, one thing that that team kind of separated, and, and when I became kind of a leader for that team, the the camaraderie through that group, like everybody just was so happy to come to the rink. Uh, it was – I mean – I've been on teams where you just get in a slump and, and guys just want to hate each other and it's just so negative. But I think like one thing about that year, um, that second year when we really took off was just everybody wanted to be at the rink. Everybody wanted to be around each other. It was it, it was just such like, I mean, you look for the Cubs, here, here's a good thing. Joe Madden, when he came to be a manager, like the stuff he did away from the baseball game and just to keep guys excited or, or what David Ross did. It's, I think one big thing, like I said, it, it's that confidence, that positivity and we did we didn't it's like we had the best players we had we had studs in the team but it just helps that guys loved each other guys wanted to battle for each other guys want to play for each other every day and it helped we had our, our fans were great we had a, it was a good city to play in we had a close travel um personally that that year i kind of took uh i was one of the older guys in the team so i uh i had young guys come in and kind of 
as an older guy in juniors, you have these 17 year olds or 16 year olds coming in. So you kind of take them under your wing and kind of show them the ropes. So, um, lucky enough when I was captain, I was, I was able to do that. And it was, it was really rewarding for my, for me, um, just to see guys grow through it. Yeah. So how much of that leadership role, like helped you become a better player and a better person overall? Um, I, like I said, I think, uh, I think as a player, I knew that if I was going to bark at someone or if I was going to, if I was going to be like, Hey man, like you got to step up your game. I knew I had to, like, I couldn't be slacking. So it kept me at a, at a level where I, I couldn't drop. I, I had to stay high. Even if I was struggling or whatever, I still had to make sure I would put on a face or, or, or battle through those, those negative, uh, negative times. And then as a person, I think, just being one of the older guys at the time. I mean, when I, when I went to UMass, I was, I was one of the older guys. So guys looked up to me and um, they, it was, I'd always look after the guys. Like I would, I'd invite the guys always to wherever I was living and, and take care of and whatnot. So I kind of, it kind of developed a, a trait in me where um, I would kind of take after the guys and, and make sure they're doing well and be like, Hey, like if he's struggling, I'll reach out to him. And um, I, I think it developed that trait in me that kind of look after everybody and make sure everybody's doing well. Yeah, that's a great trait to have because if you don't, if you're, like, slacking off, like you said, and, like, you're trying to call someone out, like, you have no no right to do that because you're also slacking off, and then, like, it's going to just go through the whole team and oh, yeah. the, the whole team's, like, camaraderie and all that's going to just decline. So you just – you have to put on that battle face and just, like, stay focused and make sure you're putting it all on the, all on the ice every single shift and every single practice wherever you are. Off yeah. ice, on ice, any anywhere. It always it always starts at the top and then trickles down throughout the team. That's that's one of the when I was in Dubuque, that was that was what uh, our, our coach said at the time. He goes, it, it starts at the coaches, trickles down to the captains, to the older guys, and then to the young guys. And and that it, it's it's so true. It's it's just this the the spread of of the leaders into it just kind of pushes everybody as a whole. Yeah, exactly. So going into your next year, you committed to play college hockey for Michigan Tech University, like you said. You played in 11 games, and you also played for Dubuque again. So, like, what was, like, was it weird that you uh, played the first part in college at for NCAA and then you go back to the USHL, or did you just – like, how did how did that go? Um, the, like, the adjustment to college, like I said, is – it's such a hard nose. Like WHA is, is the key example of college. Like it is just running gone. Everybody's trying to kill each other. You, you finishing every single hit, like making sure you're back checking no matter what, like you're not slacking at all. Um, I mean, I, I, I love that team there. The guys in that Michigan tech team, I, I was given a lot of opportunity to play there. Um, and, and I played a good amount there and, and actually I was really had success for the, for the time there. And I just, Personally, off the ice, that's kind of what affected me, and that's kind of why I didn't didn't really want to be there. It was my first offer at the time. I didn't know what to do, um, and I took it. And then once I left, so I left, actually. I played in the GLI. I actually played the last year the Joe Lewis Arena was around in Detroit. So I got to play against Michigan, Michigan State that weekend. And then I was on my way home uh, talking to my agent and everything, and I was like, hey, I just, I'm not happy, and I want to make sure I, like – Playing miserable is the worst thing ever. Like, I, I want to make sure I'm happy at all times. And it, even off the ice, on the ice, just I want to be happy. So I made the decision. I was on, on the bus ride home back through, uh, back up to the UP from Detroit. And I called my dad. I said, hey, can you meet me at my dorm room? I, I, I want to play. I want to go back to, to Dubuque because I, I had talked to the coach in Dubuque. I'm 
friends with them. Uh, I'm really close with them and had a good relationship where I could be like, Hey, this is what's like my deal. What are my options? Like, I know you're going to have, and that was another hard part. So I left, they told me, Hey, you got a spot in Toledo. I actually played the next day in Toledo, January, uh, new year's day, uh, against the program, you know, university, uh, uh, U.S. development team, and it was it was really hard because I was coming to a team that was already doing well, um, and they were doing really well at the time, and I forced someone to get sent down because they had to make room for me, so they they had to actually cut someone. So I felt I felt terrible, and it was a really well well liked guy that he came back later in the year, which, which was great, and I'm still really close with him. Colin Tyson plays in Notre Dame, but they had cut him for a little bit, and I was like, it, it that kind of upset me at the time, but then. Um, once I got back there, like the city really welcomed the fans, like everything there was really good. I was was back being happy. And I, I love that. Like I still, I mean, Dubuque is one of the, it was really, it was home to me. I I talked to my, my billets there and my, my parents are best friends with them and sees them uh, every single weekend. But going back there, um, it kind of, like I said, being happy translates down the ice. Like it's, 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 it's the weirdest thing. And, Whatever it is, it, it doesn't. I I was able to uh, right when I went back there, I had every single school you could possibly think of offering scholarships, um, and I was kind of minimized. I wasn't going back to the WCHA. I wasn't going to uh, Atlantic, um, and then some ECA schools. But I wasn't looking to uh, go to the Ivy by any means. I should say. Uh, so then I was either Hockey East, uh, Big Ten, or NCHC. So I, I had talked to a bunch of teams throughout there and I told teams, I said, I, I didn't really want to commit right away because I, I committed so early the first time. So I wanted to kind of see my options and, and take my time. So I actually didn't commit until summer uh, of that year or of that. So I waited the whole season went on and then I committed in the summer um, to go to UMass. But I actually really wanted to go to Notre Dame at the time, but they had mentioned that, well, I guess, so for school, since I, I had to get my two year degree before I went back into school to four university to be eligible so once you transfer from school, you have to sit a full season out or you have to get your two-year degree. So I got my two-year degree in uh, Dubuque before I could go back in uh, to UMass. So what happened at, when I was talking to Notre Dame, I, I couldn't go there because of because um, of schooling and whatnot. And they, I, I would have to restart. So it, it wouldn't have worked, but I, that's where I was my number one choice. Everybody from Chicago wants to go there. Um, so then I had a really good opportunity. Uh, ben Barr, who was at UMass, the coach, um, I had known him. He, I went, he actually went to Shattuck too. So I had that connection and, and, and chose there. And I knew I'd get a lot of opportunity there. Yeah. So then you go to UMass. And so like, what was your experience down in uh, UMass? And like, though, like how, how you had to like recreate like your resume once again, to like prove that you can play, play pro. So like, what was that experience like going from UMass through all, uh, all three years or two and a half years that you were there and being so successful there? Uh, it was my first year there. I, like I said, I, I missed hockey for a full year. So I jumped right into a team that was already halfway through a season. So I, I went in 16 minutes into or 16 games in the season out of shape. Like I thought I was in shape, but you can only play games to get into shape. Like, or you can be in a part of a team. So it was really hard. My first year, I, it really, it really was mentally taxing on me. We, I never, I didn't, I won one game there, my, my sophomore year. Um, and then, so that year was really challenging. And then going into junior year, um, I knew I'd be better, but I, I, I went from getting all the opportunities playing first line and second line, whatever. And then they wiped out a lot of teams. So they actually cut 
um, they cut a bunch of players and um, we brought in, I think it was 14 freshmen. So I knew I had to kind of battle for a spot because I had such a bad season and lost all my confidence. So I had to, I had to kind of start over and, and really hone down on my, my game. So my junior year, I was playing third, fourth line minutes and or fourth line minutes to start and then worked my way up to third line to close out the year. And um, my last actually six games, I, I went on, a, on a, a good streak. My junior year, we, we went. So that year we, we went to the hockey East quarterfinals, I want to say, or semifinals um, and had a good year. And then my seniors really won everything took off. Kale's second year, all these freshmen that were these standouts, it was their second year. And I, I had, I established myself as a, as a third line, the third line center and second line center um, from the beginning of the year. And then just took it throughout the whole season that it was really hard. Cause I, I lost a lot of those guys got cut. A lot of those guys were gone and then it was a brand new team my junior year. And then that kind of led into a dynasty that's, that's formed. And now they got all these draft picks getting committed left and right. And they, they're so successful now. And I think that, Greg Carvel, who's the head coach there, and Ben Barr and, and Jared Michael, they've done an unbelievable job in recruiting and um, getting the right players there and kind of setting a standard. Yeah, that's awesome how, like, you're able to work your way up from, like, third line all the way up to, like, second, first line, just, like, getting all those minutes and just getting the ice time. Like, ice time's huge in your development, so that's that's good that you're able to get that chance and, like, you uh, made a name for yourself and really helped your – case for playing all those minutes and playing all the getting all that ice time yeah 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 so that how how awesome was it playing in front of UMass's fans and like the atmosphere in the arena it must have been super electrifying and so sick to play in so like what was that like it was my senior year it was unbelievable so I went from my my sophomore year we might have had so we, we have an 8,000 seat arena and I'm we might have had at most 600 people we were that bad like it was such a bad like you we would go to the rink knowing we were going to lose every game and once we started to get get traction in, and you got the big name like kale you got mario ferrari you got some of these guys coming in um it kind of sparked some noise and then even my junior year, we probably averaged about five thousand. and then start of senior year, we went on a like a 10 game 10 game uh streak to uh, start the season and then students were, were starting to come left and right and they you, they, you could have only it was 4,000, the 8,000 arena that, um, that were for students and students would line up starting at one o'clock in the afternoon. And it was just, we'd go to the rink and there's just people lining up. And I mean, we go to the rink three hours before the rink and it's just, it's about a thousand people deep. So that was unbelievable to see. And it was so loud. I, I, that was probably one of the coolest we played. Once we became number one in the country for the first time ever, UMass ever came number one in the country. We played Quinnipiac at home that weekend. It was, it was a whiteout. And I'll remember this forever. I, it's, it, my, it's The picture's still on my Instagram. Um, it was so – you couldn't hear anything. You any Anything you said between be on your, to your teammates on the bench, you couldn't hear anything. It was so loud. And we were down, actually. went down 3-1, and we ended up winning 4-3. It was one of the best games I, I was ever – ever part of just for the fans that you couldn't hear anything. It was, it became such a big thing. Like we went from being the, the, the terrible team on campus to just every, the team everybody wants to talk to. And you go, you go to the, going to a huge uh, classroom of what 200 people and the, the teacher would give you a shout out and whatnot. So, I mean, that, that was kind of cool. Or, or my final year when we went to the national championship, like we, our, our teachers had deals with us. They're like, Hey, like we know you got work. Like, 
just don't worry. Once your season's over, we'll take care of your work. Like you'll get your homework done once the season's over. Like the teachers were really lenient and, and really helped us out. So that was really awesome. And, and when we went on a run, they, every single bar in town, like everybody had the games on ESPN and it was, they had watch parties all over. Like if you ever look up, uh, Zoomass is is the barstool affiliate for for them. They had a huge all these watch parties and whatnot. It was one of the best years I was ever part of hockey, and to, and to go on that run and, and the fans there were just absolutely wild. Would you say, uh, you know, playing in front of all those fans, having it be so rowdy, would you get a little more nervous to try and like you know live up to these? massive expectations for a, like a sellout crowd or were you kind of excited like yeah let's let's go bring it on for these fans I th- I mean you were you had the back of your mind you're nervous but you're you're more they're bringing the excitement you want to put on a show in front of in front of the school you want to be that big uh, big name that's going to score that goal and whatnot so um there was definitely a little nerves at times but it, it brought way more excitement like like I said I have a picture on Instagram that I'll, I'll think about forever and uh it was it, the fans literally they brought so much energy you you wanted to you just wanted to to score and, and you wanted to make those big plays so I think it in the back of your mind you're a little, a little nervous but for the most part it, it was bringing excitement yeah that's awesome so for the last part of this episode we want to touch on your uh, pro career a little bit so you after your senior year you went on to play for the Toledo Walleye you signed a deal with them so like what what's been like your experience like in your first year in Toledo and like I know we were talking last week and like there's some you you told me a lot about a lot of like how like the experience when like you had some older guys on the team like you're one of the younger guys like what has been like your experience there and just like playing hockey in Toledo uh like it's 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 almost like juniors honestly where you're going to a team you're the young guy and you got guys older like we in a sense I was I played with a kid named Blake Hillman who's blue playing the Blackhawks I told you that last week um I played with him in juniors and then he went to Denver one national championship there. And then we parted ways and then we, we ended up back on the same theme and, and we were always close and talked to each other for, for, I guess, through those four years. And, and it, was, it was really cool to reunite with him. Um, but then you got guys that are uh, a guy like TJ Hensick, who's got 200 some games, games in the NHL and, and is 33 years old, two kids. So there it's, it's such a balance. Like it's, it's not the college setting where you're around your buddies 24 seven, you, the camaraderie is, is unbelievable in Toledo. Um, and the one person that really helped me out was Steve Alexi, Alexi, um, Alexi, who played for the Penguins, who won a couple of the Penguins. And he, he started in the coast and worked his way up by the NHL and, and, and ended up winning the Stanley Cup. But he was really one of the best guys that I kind of leaned on. He's, I want to say he's 31, 30, somewhere around 32 maybe. Anyways, he kind of took me under his wing and, and really helped me out as kind of a, a mentor. And I looked up to him. Um, but I think the biggest thing was is it's almost like junior hockey again. You didn't have school to worry about. You, you focus on hockey and hockey only. You go to the rink from 9 in the morning, you're done by 1, and um, then you get the rest of the day to hang out. Um, but I think the one thing uh, that, that was different was you got guys that are 30-something years old, and it, it's such a – in a sense, like it's a disconnect and – um, how you talk or your slang or whatnot, but they're still like, they're still in a sense of, of, of being close with you. And I, I was really close to the older guys on the team and, and I kind of gelled with them. Yeah. So this was like one weird season with COVID coming into place. Like were like all the events happening, like up to, until like COVID hit and like the season being canceled and all that. I mean, that, that was the weirdest thing. So we actually, we, we were on our way back from, uh, a trip to Canada. So we were crossing the border when this was all going on uh, the week the week prior. And 
we're like, man, this is really going to be a thing. Like it, there was so much talk. We didn't know what the season was doing, what was going on and canceled. So we actually had a Tuesday game that week, uh, uh, which is, we don't play many weekday games, but we, we play some and we were playing Cincinnati. So Cincinnati came into town and we started seeing NL or NHL, all these uh, leagues going down. And, um, initially in the morning they tweeted out fans are you're all welcome ready to go ready to go on this tuesday and about four hours for game time they said no fans nobody's on the building so we played the game on with no fans no nothing and that was one of the weirdest things they did the goal like it, they played like a regular game and it, it was so quiet there might have been eight people in the stands just between family and whatnot but that was a really really weird experience uh, you, you don't play it's i mean in a sense guys play sports are entertainment business. So, I mean, you play for the fans in a, in a sense, and, and you want to put on a show for people. I mean, as fun, I mean, everybody loves playing hockey for the fun of it, but you also play that. You also have that sense where you're entertainment and you're, you're playing for the people and, and the fans that come, come to the game. So that was a weird thing. Um, we, we, we played a really good game and I, I want to say we won the game too. Um, but it was, it was definitely a weird experience and, then the next day they shut down everything and said, pack here. You got to, you got one day to come to the, or you got to come to the rink tomorrow. You got to pack up your gear and the season's over and wait till next year. It was, it was definitely a two week span where I was like, what is going on? Um, but now we, we got to actually have a start date for the season uh, two days ago. So we're going to be starting January 14th. We are hoping to start December is what we were told, but it just got pushed back to January 14th. So it's good to have a start date. Um, and now I can actually prepare uh, for a season that, that that's going to be happening. Yeah. So, like, what are your these? This is my last question. Is like, what are your expectations going into next season? Like, you recently signed another contract with Toledo. So, like, what's your what's the plan for next year? Uh, so for this year, I mean, I, I, it's like the same for junior. So I, I established my role. I established myself. Um, I showed that I can play. I, I showed that I can put up points. I showed that I can. Um, uh, Play, play a significant role for the team. So I'm hoping to, to get more opportunity, get bumping minutes maybe. Um, but I think the biggest thing this year is just kind of took what I learned last year as a rookie. Um, and, I mean, you don't really speak up much as a rookie. You kind of just go with the flow. I think now I can kind of um, feel more comfortable in a sense and, and use that comfort and um, experience, especially staying in Toledo. I, I know the coaches. It's my second year the coaches. I have a, I have a I have more comfort with talking to them and like, Hey, what do I got to do? Like, like, here's what's going to happen. Like what's got, uh, what do I got to do to get that extra opportunity and whatnot? So um, I think this year I, I, I want to see some more opportunity and um, hopefully, uh, hopefully get some uh, uh, a more significant role this year uh, than last year. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, can't wait to see what you guys are going to do this year and how you guys are going to compete. So Brett, Thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate your time. And if there's fans allowed next year, you can for sure see us coming down to Toledo and watching the game. Thanks for having me. I'll, to, I'll get you tickets whenever you need. Yes, sounds good. Thank you again. And uh, we want to wish you the best of luck, like we said. And have a nice rest of your day. Appreciate it. You too.